Welcome back, you guys. Welcome back to the podcast and welcome back to the Intuitive Eating April series. So we're going to be continuing with that series today with special guest Brittany Modell, who is a registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, and she is the co-host of Food Therapy Podcast. So today we're going to be learning how to be compassionate with ourselves on our intuitive eating journey and how to overcome food guilt and shame, especially going through the first phase of intuitive eating, which many call the honeymoon phase. So we're going to be diving into that today. And if you guys aren't already part of my free Facebook empowerment community, we are diving a little deeper into the whole intuitive eating April series in that community. So if you want to be a part of that, just go to bit.ly, so B-I-T dot L-Y slash Miranda Lee F-B, as in Facebook. Hey, you guys, welcome to the Empowered Podcast hosted by your girl, Miranda Lee. I hope you're ready to get confident, throw away the all or nothing mindset, fully surrender to God, and strive to be 1% better every day. Don't forget, you are enough, you are worthy, and you are loved. Alrighty, let's get this party started. Hello, Brittany. Thank you so much for joining me and being on my Intuitive Eating April series. I'm so excited to have you here. Yes. Thank you for having me on. I always love talking all things about intuitive eating. So I'm excited to dive in. Yes, me too. Before we do, can you give our audience um, just kind of a little introduction about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So my name is Brittany Modell. I'm no food fears on Instagram and TikTok, which I barely use. I'm usually on Instagram. And I'm also the co-host of the Food Therapy Podcast. And really, I help women heal their relationships with food and body image through this practice of intuitive eating, which we're going to be speaking about today. And my ultimate goal is to really build back body trust, body connection, so we can remove ourselves from chronic dieting and just feeling distrustful of our bodies. Awesome. I love that. I, I can't wait to, to really dive into this because I even just posted something on Instagram um, talking about how we've all spent, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years dieting. And we get mad at ourselves that we can't learn to, you know, retrust our body overnight because it does, it does take time. Um, so I've already done, you know, you are my, my first guest for intuitive eating April. I've already done kind of a couple episodes on what intuitive eating is and what to expect, but I'd love to hear your definition, um, as a registered dietitian of what intuitive eating is and why it's not just a diet, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. And I also, I completely forgot to mention that I am a registered dietitian and I'm also a certified intuitive eating counselor. So I probably should have mentioned that in the, in the <laughs> earlier part, but so, you know, it's so interesting. And what I will say is when I first became a dietitian, I did not immediately go into this work at all. I was actually very much focus on like weight management, because that was really one of the only options. And I don't want to say only options, but that is what we were taught in school. And so when I first saw intuitive eating on social media, I was confused because as someone who 
had their own relationship with food. I was like, how could I ever trust my body to eat the things without micromanaging and, you know, counting and portion control. And again, these are things that we were taught in grad school or in order to become a dietitian. So I always lead with that because it's not as if I was you know, born intuitive eater and have been an intuitive eater ever since. Like I very much, you know, was involved with diet culture, have been on many diets and had my own disordered relationship with food. And over time I recognized like this isn't working. Dieting is not working. I feel restricted. I feel angry with myself. I have no self-compassion. I feel shameful. And I always found myself going from this like restrict binge cycle. And so as I'm listening to different dietitians and I'm like, okay, like, I guess this is interesting. Like, I still don't think it applies to me, but I'm intrigued. And over time, the more I actually learned about intuitive eating, I became an intuitive eating counselor. I realized that everything that I thought I knew about intuitive eating was actually not true. So on Instagram, it is very much a hunger fullness diet. It is eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, eat everything you want, whenever you want with no intentionality behind it. And that's simply not true. And so to go back to your original question of like, what is intuitive eating? Intuitive eating is a self-care framework that allows us to heal our relationship with food. It is made up of 10 different principles, you know, rejecting the diet mentality, honoring your hunger, making peace with food, respecting your body, getting rid of the food guilt and the food rules and so forth. And with intuitive eating, I've come to, you know, really help my clients be able to understand self-compassion, non-judgment, curiosity, awareness. And so they are choosing foods that feel good for them physically, but also feel good for them mentally. So really focusing on foods that are satisfying and nourishing. And one you know thing I want to point out that's often a misconception about intuitive eating is that we don't care about health. Like we don't care about you know nutrition. And that's also not true. If someone decides that they want to focus on their health, principle 10 is gentle nutrition. And it's not as though you don't get into principle 10 for years or months. We're incorporating gentle nutrition from day one. And part of that is honoring your hunger. So making sure you're getting enough to eat so you can really nourish your body. Yeah, I'm glad that you said the fact that, you know, people who intuitive eat still do care about their health and their nutrition because, you know, I I have seen stuff on, on social media where they're like, Oh, like intuitive eating is just an excuse to eat whatever you want. And that's not true. Um, it might kind of start like that in the beginning, I think of your intuitive eating journey, because you've never trusted yourself. You know, you went all these years of dieting and, now you're just supposed to magically listen to your hunger cues, your fullness yeah. cues, what, what you're craving. And that can be so hard. So what advice do you have for people who are maybe, you know, just starting their intuitive eating journey and they have like that food guilt of like, Oh man, like I shouldn't be eating this, but I feel like yeah. this is part of my intuitive eating journey. What do you have right. to say about that? So, you know, I want to preface that intuitive eating is the opposite of everything we've been told. It is not a natural way to eat. Even though we are all born intuitive eaters, we receive messages 
over time by parents, teachers, doctors, and our society. So I want everyone listening, if you are starting this journey to realize that it is a process. And if you have been chronically dieting for five, 10, 15, 20 years, it's going to take time to unlearn a lot of those rules that we have been taught over the years. So when it comes to food guilt, you know, one of the things that I, you know, will teach my clients is self-compassion. And in order to be compassionate with yourself, we have to build awareness around the guilt. So food guilt is really, you know, if we think about guilt in general, guilt is a sense of wrongdoing. And so our food guilt comes from our beliefs around food. So I'll give you an example. If I truly believe that eating cookies is bad, cookies are bad for me. And then I go and eat a cookie. Maybe I have five cookies. I'm going to feel guilty because I'm going to feel like I did something wrong. So what we want to do is to neutralize all foods, giving ourselves a permission to eat all foods and take the food off the pedestal. You know, we're, we're brought up thinking like candy cookies, cakes, like, oh my God, these are the off limits foods. And then when we actually have access to them, we go crazy, right? We, we eat all of them and that leaves us feeling shameful. So permission to eat food is very important and neutralizing certain foods. The one caveat I will say, and I I see some people do this is, and you can, this is one approach, but some people will say like, I'm just gonna eat everything because like screw dieting, like I'm, I'm going and eating everything. Now you can do that, but I imagine it's not going to make someone feel very good physically. And it's probably going to make them feel further out of control around food. So one approach I often take is, is there like one food that we can start with that maybe you've restricted in the past and give yourself permission to eat that food. And then with a list, we can continue to build and neutralize some of these foods. So again, there is no right or wrong way of approaching intuitive eating or approaching this process. And something may work really well for you. And maybe something else works great for somebody else. There's a lot of flexibility and nuance. Yeah, I like that. And it's, and it's, it's so true. It's going to be different for everyone. And like, we're taught in, you know, diet culture that when you do a diet, like there's these strict set of rules and we're so used to being like, all right, I'm going to follow these exact rules that diet such and such says to do. But then when it comes to intuitive eating, there isn't a strict set of rules. And I feel like that makes everyone super uncomfortable. Um, A little example for kind of how I deal with um, food guilt and how I've gotten over it is I I really try to focus on, you know, the little wins, even if I do, let's say over overeat. But even yesterday, me and my um, brother-in-law were making um, cookies and we were doing like homemade, you know, gluten-free cookies. Cause me and him are actually both allergic to gluten. Um, so we were making these gluten-free cookies and I had one and I was like, Ooh, this is really good. And I had the second one. And after the second one, I didn't feel so good instead of, you know, shaming and feeling guilt. I saw of it. I saw it more as kind of a learning experience of, okay, I know how I felt after that first cookie. Um, I don't feel guilty for eating that second cookie because eating that second cookie kind of made me tune into my body more and think, Hey, maybe if I would have taken like a couple minutes after that first cookie, 
to kind of think and reflect, okay, do I really want that second cookie or am I just doing it because it's there? Am I eating it because it's there? And I don't, it's nothing to be guilty about. Like, like you said, we should, it, food should be neutral. It's not good or bad. It just is. Yes. And unless you stole the cookie, there is truly <laughs> nothing to feel guilty about. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately we don't, you know, our society and our culture does not um, prioritize pleasure and satisfaction. And somehow when you find pleasure and satisfaction in food, our brain thinks that we're doing something wrong. We're like, oh my God, like I shouldn't be enjoying it this much. Like I'm being bad, right? Quote unquote bad. Mm -hmm. And so I love that idea of checking in with yourself, having that compassion and using it as data, right? Like interesting. Like I, you know, this first cookie was so good. I went and had the second cookie and I'm noticing that I'm not feeling great, but it's a neutral you know, it's a neutral observation. There's no judgment there. There's no shame. There's no making up for it at the gym. It's just, okay. Yeah. I, I, you know, I probably would have been satisfied with just one, but what a great learning opportunity. Exactly. And like this, this isn't the beginning of my intuitive eating journey. Like I've been doing this for probably two years. So to expect myself to, you know, be a professional and in intuitive eating, that's not how it is. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's, you know, we're constantly learning and the flexibility with intuitive eating is what I think is so amazing because I truly believe the only reason, the only way diets work is if you have a completely perfect life that everything is the same and routine. And that's not realistic. Weekends come, holidays come. And this is why it's so important to know how to check in, listen, be in tune with your body, because we should, like you said, we should be able to enjoy food and sit around the table and not feel guilty for eating foods that taste good and aren't just, just solely there for nutrition. Exactly. And that's such a great point. Food is not just for nourishment and nutrition. You know, when we think about food, food is emotional. Food is about community. It's about celebration. Food is about memories. And there's so much more to food. And when we just make it about nutrition, we're actually missing out on so much more that comes along with it. Yeah, that it's funny you say that because even yesterday, my my husband and I we love to watch um, like you know cooking shows and stuff, and we were watching this one. And my husband, who has a really healthy relationship with food, has never never struggled um, with any disordered eating or anything. Um, he is lucky man. The, I know. I'm I'm like how how did that happen? But we were watching this um, this food show, and he's like, "Wow, food is such a great way to bring people together." And I was like, that is so true. And I think of all the years that I, you know, missed out on going out to eat or, um, you know, counted my calories at Thanksgiving dinner. And it's like, that's not the point of, of, of this. It's food is a great place to bring people together. And, you know, that's where culture, like different cultures come together and family and friends. And if we are so focused on dieting, we are missing out on the great, like, I guess, side effects of going, going out to eat and enjoying a meal with people. Right. And, you know, when you are so consumed by calories and macros and your diet and your body, you're also not able to be present. So you may be, you may be there physically, but mentally you are checked out. And so thinking about, you know, with the work of intuitive eating, intuitive eating not only allows you to heal, 
to begin to heal that relationship with food, but it also actually ends up giving back to so many other areas of your life, your relationships, your work, your passions, your hobbies, things that you never had the time to focus on before because you were so consumed by food. Mm, so true. So true. Yeah. And it's things we don't even realize that we're missing out on. And that's why I'm like, you guys stop dieting because it's not just the food that you're missing out on it. It's so much more than that. So when it comes to, um, you know, really trying to heal that relationship with, let's say specific foods, I know you kind of touched on this um, a couple minutes ago, but how, how do you recommend, I know it's going to be different for everyone, but you know, how do you recommend maybe, um, dealing with, let's say trigger foods or foods that people feel like they have no control over, um, you know, I know some diets like, don't even keep it in the house, but I don't know what, what advice do you have for that? So with the trigger foods, again, coming back to like having the compassion there. And it's like, you know, we've been taught that certain foods are wrong or sinful or bad. And so having that compassion and what I recommend is creating a list of trigger foods. And so if you were to put them on a spectrum of not so scary, very scary, you know, maybe starting towards like the, the end of the list that doesn't feel as intimidating as scary and starting one at a time. And so for example, for many people, it might be something like peanut butter where they feel completely out of control around bringing in the peanut butter, recognizing that there is a honeymoon phase. You may finish that jar of peanut butter in one or two days, but again, that doesn't mean you have no self-control. It doesn't mean you're addicted to the food. It doesn't mean you have no willpower. That is a normal physiological and psychological reaction to restriction. And so I invite you to continue to bring that food into the house until you're like, this is so weird. I don't even really want this. Like I, I've never experienced this before. And there is this idea of habituation. So habituation is what happens when we have repeated stimuli. So an example of that, I have two examples that I love to use with habituation. So the first is the first time your partner ever said, I love you. Like that feeling of hearing it for their first time, like you probably saw like fireworks, maybe not, but you were so happy. You, you were like, oh my God, like, this is so exciting. And then like five years later, he's like, I love you. I'm going to the gym. It's still nice to hear. It just doesn't quite have the same impact as maybe that first time you heard it. Another example I like to use is like holiday dinners. So Thanksgiving comes around. You're so excited for the actual Thanksgiving meal. And then you have five days of leftovers. By day five of leftovers, you are not going to feel the same about that food as you did on day one. So this is what we call habituation. Over time, you're able to habituate to certain foods so it doesn't have as strong of an impact. It's very hard to habituate with foods when they're not present. So keeping the food around, keeping it in your pantry. And if you do find yourself eating it past comfort, if you do even feel sick having it, it's part of the process. It's the honeymoon phase. And over time, those foods will start to neutralize. I like that you bring up the honeymoon phase, because I'm sure that's the part that people really feel uncomfortable about and they uncomfortable about, and they are probably have already felt like they have failed. So I'm, I'm glad that you said that because in the beginning, Yes, like this is what I talked about in my previous episode of what to inspect, what to um, expect during intuitive eating. It's 
it's, you're not gonna, you're not gonna fully understand your hunger cues and everything right away. And it's always a learning opportunity. Um, so I think that's great that you bring up the honeymoon phase and habituation. I've never, I've never heard of that. I think that is such a good point because yeah, you're, it's not going to be exciting anymore after week eight of having peanut butter in your house. And that's like a perfect example for me. Peanut butter was one of the things that I could not keep in my house. And then I remember when I'm like, now I have peanut butter in my house and it's been there for weeks. And I can remember years ago where it literally wouldn't last a couple of days. Like, and it's just the best feeling ever. It it really is to be able to have foods that you enjoy in your house because peanut butter is good, but I don't feel like you know, eating the whole container every day anymore. And this can apply to everything. So I have clients with ice cream in their freezer. They're like, I forgot about it. I have clients with Oreos in their pantry. And they're like, I never would have had Oreos left over three weeks later. Something else that this reminds me of too. And this actually goes to parents listening to this, but have, you know, I'm curious if, if you've ever had this experience in childhood where maybe not. It depends on the person's childhood. But I remember going to friends' houses whose parents had like a stocked pantry of food. And again, a ton of privilege in this, right? Because food security is a privilege, but they would have cookies, cakes, all this stuff. And I'm, and I would say to my friends, like, how do you not eat all this? Like every single day. And it's because of habituation, they're used to it it's neutral to them. It's always around. And so there's not this sense of urgency to finish all of it at once because they can always eat it tomorrow. And that's exactly what we want for people to have, right? It's, we want to remove the urgency and be like, you know what? You can have more tomorrow. Can you allow yourself, give yourself the permission to know, like you can have more later today, you can have more tomorrow. And this allows us to reach a sense of fullness that is comfortable versus eating way past comfort, which often happens when we all of a sudden find ourselves near our like trigger foods. I growing up very healthy household. Um, and I had my one friend where I'd be so excited to go to her house because she always had Nutella in her cabinet and we never had Nutella at home. And yeah, she was that person who was just like, whatever, like there's Nutella or Girl Scout cookies, she would take out a box of Samoa, like literally eat two cookies and then be like, I'm done and put them away. And I was like, how do you do that? And that makes sense. It habituation, they had it in their cabinets all the time. So, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. And, you know, I'm, I'm expecting my, my first kid in a couple months and, yeah, so it's, it's really exciting, but it really has, <laughs> thank you. It really has me think about, you know, how am I going to, you know, implement these quote unquote bad foods that I never had on my plate and, you know, yes. learning more. It's like, you know, if they're eating dinner and they have like a couple Oreos on their plate, they're not, it's, it just, it is what it is. We think that we're, Correct. we're, it's more beneficial to, never feed your kids processed foods or these foods that society deems as bad, but then, you know, it becomes kind of an obsession for them later on because they were never allowed to have it. And I've noticed that any of my clients who were previously restricted by their parents, almost all of them hid food. They hid food and they would binge on the food that they were restricted. I also want to tell you and everyone listening, there is a book that I'm currently reading in a dietitian book club, and it's called how to raise an intuitive eater. 
It is a fantastic resource. It's written by two registered dietitians and intuitive eating counselors. And even if you're not someone who is planning on raising a family, it's actually just great information in general. And they really cover your relationship to food, how important it is to neutralize that, but then also giving compassion to yourself. Like, yeah, I've been, you know, if you've been dieting for 20 years, you may not get it right. And that's okay. But there are things that you can start to do to implement for your kids so that they can grow up as resilient children who have the tools to be intuitive eaters and not, you know, hopefully get sucked into diet culture. I I'm definitely going to check out that book. That sounds, that sounds amazing. Cause yeah, as someone who grew up being restricted to a lot of foods, it's kind of like, okay, how am I, how am I going to raise a kid, you know, and, and hope that they yeah. don't, you know, have that same unhealthy relationship with food. So thank you for that resource. I'm definitely going to be looking into that. And hopefully um, any of our listeners can look into that as well. So my next question for you is, like, how do we cope with our emotions? Because a lot of the times it's so easy to turn to food. And Mm -hmm. personally, I, you know, teach my clients, you know, they're other coping mechanisms when, you know, it comes to your emotions. Um, but I've seen stuff on social media that says, you know, it's fine to cope with food. Um, I feel like, you know, there, there's definitely that happen the happy medium. So I'm kind of curious, um, your yes. take on that. So the first thing I want to say is food is emotional. And for many people, food is probably the most reliable tool that they've come across. It might be the only tool they've come across. And so again, we never want to take away the one tool that is helping someone to survive, helping someone to feel safe. So when it comes to coping with emotions with food or, you know, emotional eating, I will never tell someone don't do that because that is like taking away something of value for them. But what I do encourage clients to do is I kind of have this like three-step framework that I'll walk you through. So the first step is, let's say someone says, you know what, I all of a sudden feel the urge to eat something and they just ate. So the first step is, are you physically hungry or is this emotional? And some ways you can know, you know, of course, if you just ate a meal or maybe if you, you know, don't have any physical signs of hunger and something feels emotional for you, but that's the first sign. And if the answer is yes, I am physically hungry. I want you to eat. If the answer is no, I'm not physically hungry. The next step is what are you feeling? What is the emotion that you are experiencing? Can we kind of lean into it and capture what it is? So are you feeling anxious? Do you feel sad? Do you feel lonely? So we want to figure out what's going on. And then next, the next question is, what does my body need? What do I need? And in some cases that might mean food and that's okay. But what we want to do is start to expand someone's toolbox. So they have other tools available to them. So this might look like speaking with the counselor, FaceTiming a friend, going for a walk. It could be watching a funny TikTok video or your favorite TV show, meditation, breathing exercises, playing with your pet. There are so many different types of coping tools that we can turn to, and it might even be food and another coping tool. 
So I want to normalize this idea of emotional eating because I do think as a society, again, we make it seem like this like horrible thing that we should never do when in reality, emotional eating can be, might be the only tool that is available to someone at that time. And can we have compassion for ourselves, have curiosity around it and move through whatever it is that they're feeling? Yeah, I think one of the, the biggest takeaways I got from that is, you know, don't don't take away that sense of comfort for someone of saying like you cannot have food. And I think it's it's really important to teach people other coping mechanisms. And I love your your three step rule. I think, you know, that's super simple and people can go through that mentally. Um, and, you know, if people do choose to cope with some food, like it's literally not the end of the world. And, and if you do cope with some food and see how you feel afterwards, like, did that fix the problem? And if, and if it didn't, it gives you something to really reflect on. Yeah. And like an example of this I use is let's say someone uses food to cope because they're feeling very lonely. So that might be a great temporary fix, but what will really help someone feel lonely? Maybe it is, you know, FaceTiming a friend, having that human connection, that is likely going to make someone feel less lonely long-term. And so that's why it's so important to really identify the emotion and then be able to match it with a tool that will best serve them in that moment. I love that. I, I love to tell people that, you know, it's all about like experimenting and seeing what works for you. Yeah. Go at like FaceTime someone, see if that, if that works, if it doesn't, then you learn something. If it does, that's awesome. You know, maybe go outside for a walk, see how that makes you feel. I think with, with every aspect of our, you know, our health journey, our intuitive eating journey, see what works for you. Cause it's going to be so different for everyone. Just like everyone's trigger foods are different. Everyone's relationship with food is different. Everyone struggles with, you know, different things. Um, so it's just so important to see what works for you. And you have to go through trial and error to do that. 100%. And that's one of the things I love about intuitive eating is there's so much room for flexibility. There is never a right or wrong way. And we're trying to move away from this all or nothing thinking. Yes, ex- exactly. Man, the, the all or nothing mentality is we, we just get sucked into it just as much as getting sucked into, you know, diet culture and that diet mentality. So what words of encouragement do you have for anyone who is uh, maybe starting their intuitive eating journey, or maybe is not even sure if intuitive eating, I guess, is for them. And, but their main goal is like, I'm just tired of dieting what words do you have for them? So I want to say the first thing is it is normal to feel scared. It's normal to feel overwhelmed by this process. This is so different than anything you've done in the past. There is no right or wrong when it comes to intuitive eating. You cannot fail at this. And at times it might feel like, oh, wow, I got this. And you're taking two steps ahead. And then all of a sudden the next week, it feels like you're taking three steps back. That is part of the process. But can we lead with compassion and non-judgment and create a sense of community? You know, I, I think it's very hard when we live in a very diet centric world and everyone else is opting into diet culture and diets and fad diets. And you're like, well, I'm just trying to heal my relationship with food. 
So following different intuitive eating people on Instagram, joining maybe Facebook groups that have some intuitive eating, working with an intuitive eating counselor or a registered dietitian, having a therapist, building a community for yourself when you do feel isolated and you do feel like this is really hard. And again, I feel like we've said this a few times, but remember if you have been dieting and you've been controlling your intake for years, it's going to take some time to refine that inner intuitive eater that you were born with. So true. So true. We just have to, you know, show ourselves compassion along the way, because it's so unfair to think that we can unlearn all the things that we that we've been learning for our entire life in a short period of time. You know, that's why intuitive eating does take a little longer, you know, it might take you like a year to be like, all right, I feel good. And I feel comfortable with intuitive eating. And it's funny, like, for me, I feel like, like I got to the year point and I felt comfortable with intuitive eating. And then like a year later, I was like, oh no, now I'm comfortable with intuitive eating. And it, you're just always growing and learning. And I think we all have the deci- the decision to make. Do you want to invest, you know, a good six months to one year to really focusing on intuitive eating? Or do you want to spend the next five, 10, 15, 20 years trying to find that quick fix that will never come. So, you know, for a lot of people investing a year of their life to intuitively eat, um, sounds like a long time, but you know, I'm 25 years old and I haven't found a diet that works. So I think, you know, intuitive eating is definitely for me. And, and like you said, surrounding yourself with that like-minded community, whether it's, you know, who are you following on social media, hiring a professional, going to um, a counselor or a therapist, just, you know, you, you need people in your corner. You can't expect yourself to do everything, everything by yourself. Cause that's not, that's not the point of this life. We're not meant to fight our battles alone. Yeah. And I would, and the thing is like, I, I honestly would recommend going beyond Instagram to learn about intuitive eating. So there's a book about intuitive eating. There's a fourth edition by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Rush. There's a workbook that you can do on your own. There are blog posts and there are podcast episodes because what ends up happening is when we only take information from what we see on Instagram, we're getting like a very small piece of what the, the picture of intuitive eating is. And I feel like that can feel overwhelming because you know, it almost paints it again, like another diet when it's really not. So going beyond and expanding how you're learning about this type of work can be extremely beneficial. Yeah. Awesome. That's a, that's a really good point. I'm I'm glad you said that as well, because our world goes beyond um, just social media and, you know, there's only so much we can share on there. I know as someone who tries to share, you know, my own um, intuitive eating journey, health journey, like there's only so much I can get out there. That's why, you know, I have this podcast so I can try to, you know, talk a little more than just, you know, my couple Instagram stories. So, so I love that. Um, Where can our listeners, you know, find your podcast, maybe your Instagram and where can they connect with you? Yes. So I'm always on Instagram. It's at no food fears. And my podcast is called the food therapy podcast, food therapy. We also have an Instagram account called the food therapy pod. So you can find me um, at both of those places. And again, I hope this was helpful. I know that this type of work can feel so overwhelming, but like you said, it is 
so worth it. The amount of freedom and free time and just overall like optimal quality of life that I have. And I see my clients have, it just makes this process worth the journey. Awesome. Yes, that is, that is so great. And I will make sure to link all that in the show notes so people can connect with you. Um, thank you so much again for coming on here. I hope people really learned how to, how to just approach intuitive eating, especially when it comes to food guilt and shame and just dealing with their emotions. So thank you so much, Brittany. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. That is it for today's episode, you guys. I hope that if you are on your intuitive eating journey, that you can really just show yourself some compassion through the ups and the downs that are going to come with this lifestyle change. And if you haven't started your intuitive eating journey yet and you're thinking about starting it, I hope you just feel um, just a slight sense of reassurance and calmness that it is normal to go through these ups and downs but it is so worth it in the end and you guys know if you have any questions you can reach out to me dm me on instagram at this is randley all right you guys i will catch you in the next intuitive eating april series episode Bye.